Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as usual is former City captain Matt Elliott. How are you doing, Matt? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, Rob. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. We've got a bit of a, a winter break, the first one the Premier League's ever had at the moment, but it doesn't really feel like much of a break, does it, at the moment? Because we'll still be talking uh, all things football as well, and there's still games to discuss as well. But we'll start right at the top, Matt, with um, the draw with uh, Chelsea at the King Power Stadium the weekend. It felt like a, a bit of a defeat, didn't it, the way uh, <laughs> things transpired? But um, overall, your assessment of that point against a side that are chasing Leicester in the top four in the Champions League qualification places? Yeah, all said and done, it, it's not a bad result, is it, at all? But uh, I think there are lots of things to consider about the performance as, as much as anything, really, because uh, you know, going into the game, you're thinking, is this going to be a real indicator of where Leicester City are. We spoke about it last week, and I think that proved to be the case, ultimately. Uh, it, it was testing for Leicester early on against a, a side that's packed with quality, a squad that's packed with quality in Chelsea. I think that's undermentioned at times. You know, the people say, oh, he's bringing the kids through, and it's a period of transition. There's some class operators right throughout that squad. And Leicester were up against it early on. I think it was a natural reaction or, or consequence of, of the defeat midweek in the semi-final, the Carabao against Aston Villa. It was always going to be a, perhaps a, a touch of a hangover early on. Proved to be the case. Um, they were scrambling a little bit defensively, weren't they, Leicester, on occasion. The ball just didn't quite fall for Chelsea. But it looked ominous early on. But fair play to Leicester, not for the first time this season. Showed resolve, showed good spirit, fought themselves back into the game. Ultimately, were disappointed not to win it, especially with the golden opportunities with Johnny Evans with the clear header, mid- middle of goal. Um, Harvey Barnes, similar, but with a right-footed effort, which I, I still think was going in. <laughs> I was up uh, <laughs> shouting and celebrating um, as soon as that ball was going across to him. What a ball from Vardy, by the way. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and Harvey would be... Not devastated, but very frustrated that he wasn't able to slot that away and get the winner. Let's talk about Harvey because he's been the man in form since Christmas. I mean, he only had one goal all season and then since the turn of the year, four goals, two assists. So Harvey, your uh, recent good form continues. I mean, you got a smack in the face just before that, but then yeah. uh, to put one in the ask, come on, treat that. I know, yeah. Was, uh, yeah, I was, I was saying to the ref, uh, it's not a foul, I'm not going off. Um, and then obviously about 30 seconds later, I scored, so good job I didn't. Um, but yeah, obviously really pleased with that. Um, another tough game today, um, but I thought we bounced that well from, from the midweek game. What about the uh, chance just at the end? Did you think yeah, you got the winner? Yeah, it was um, disappointing. Um, you know, I'd expect myself to, to put that away. Um, but, you know, we had chances throughout the game. Um, they had chances as well, so I think, you know, based on based on how the game went, um, it was a fair result. Yeah, you said that about you responded well to the setback in midweek. How hard was that to get over? Yeah, it was obviously disappointing. Um, you know, we obviously, everyone wanted to get through that game. Um, it obviously wasn't meant to be. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the fashion that they went through so late in the game was just so disappointing. Um, but I thought we reacted well. Um, and obviously, you have... You have a day or two to get over that, and then it's full focus on today. I thought, you know, we did well. You've still got a lot to play for this season after the break. We have, yeah. You know, there's a lot of games, a lot of points to play for. Um, so we'll make sure, you know, after this break, we're fully focused on 
on making sure performance and results are going our way. You've taken a real jump forward in the last few months in terms of goals and assists, which is what the manager asked. Is there one particular thing you put that down to? Um, not. I won't say there's one thing. I think just for me, it's just getting into more dangerous positions. Um, and I think you know when when chances have come my way, I've uh, been a bit more clinical, um, which is important. People are starting to talk look at the Euros and starting to talk about you in terms of that. Is that something that you can allow yourself to have an eye on? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are hoping to get into that or thinking that, but I think for me, um, there's so many games here that, that we need to focus on. Um, and for myself, there's so many so many more games for me to go and go and prove myself and um, hopefully add more goals, add more assists this season. Um, I think that's got to be my focus. Is it finishing and your composure in the final third something you've been working on? I think it's something can you that work on it? Yeah, of course you can. I think you, you can work on it in training. Um, to be honest, I think I've done that. Been working on it all season. Um, I think it was just when it was when it was coming in games, it wasn't quite wasn't quite happening. Um, but like you say, obviously, the last few games, um, you know, they've started to they've started to go in. The penny seems to have dropped now. He's got to get his numbers up to uh, stay in uh, Brendan's side. I think it's dropping at least. Yeah, I still think there's a way to go. If I'm honest, um, I know what he's capable of. And at times, he terrorises opposition fullbacks, stroke defences in general, doesn't he? Yeah, and you think, go on, you know, really ram that home and take it to the opposition. But sometimes it is too much to ask for him to to play like that for ninety minutes, solid. But he's so positive and direct, powerful, and you know, such a problem for defences in patches through the game. And then he sort of drifts out of it a little bit, and then he'll come back into it. You know, he's he's got great athleticism about himself and uh, good football brain, intelligence. He is a work in progress, but uh, he's a fine sight to see at the moment, isn't he? And uh, he's also getting a little bit of fortune where he wasn't earlier in the season. There were so many close shaves in the first half of the campaign. And now, all of a sudden, he's getting a little bit of rubber to green. The odd deflection here. There was a big deflection against Chelsea, although he deserves credit for the goal. What a move it was as well, by the way. But um, confidence is growing. And it's becoming you know, a real force in the Premier League, isn't he? Absolutely. He was the big positive for me for, for a Leicester perspective. But the negative yeah. was the goals they conceded. Two from set pieces, two headers from Rudiger um, direct. Now, a lot of Leicester fans have always thought that has always been the team's it, Achilles heel. It wouldn't heel. happen in our day. Yeah, Rob. exactly. We, we never conceded <laughs> from set piece. Yeah, but in the we modern era, they have conceded a lot of goals from set pieces over the years. But... Not the case this season. I looked at some of the figures and uh, analysed some of their defensive setups. And uh, before last week's game, they, they only conceded three goals from set pieces all season, which was uh, only Burnley had conceded less with two all season. So obviously they're doing something right in terms of defending set pieces because they're not the biggest side. You've pointed it no. out many times. They're not the biggest side. Only three lads really are the regulars that are over six foot. And they use this mixed zonal marking system, which Brenda's always used at Swansea and Liverpool as well. It seems to be working out for them. What have you thought of that? Yeah, I, I think that would probably uh, surprise a few people, won't it? The stats that you've just come out with there. But uh, uh, the only concern for me is, I mean, the, the record is more than decent, as you quick to point out there, and rightly so. Um, and Brendan Rogers will look at that if there was any accusations and say, well, hang on a minute, look at the record. This is just uh, you know, a little bit of a blip and it happens on occasions. They were they were caught short on Saturday. Um, I think Aston Villa have picked up on a couple of things. You know, They were trying to overload the area in and around Casper Smichael at the far post as well. 
and Burnley were, were applying pressure as well in a, in a similar way and got rewards from it. So long term or medium term, obviously it's been relatively successful and it's needs must a little bit, isn't it? Because like you say, they're not the tallest there. They can't really afford to go man to man because other teams by and large have more taller players. It's as simple as that. So they need to combat it some way. And I think they've obviously done pretty well. Um, but slightest switch off any set piece, whatever system you, you deploy, you're going to cause yourself problems. And um, I, I, just, I just worry a little bit that maybe teams have picked up on Burnley's success on the back of that, like we say, Villa and then at the weekend, Chelsea, like targeting that far post area because yeah. Sointu and Evans, like the, the primary headers for Leicester, are rightly situated centre of goal. Um, and then, OK, right, how do we get around that, Chelsea think? Frank Lampard's mulling over his head. Let's put Rudiger and Christensen, far stick, Abraham's in and around the near to attract attention, hang the ball up, get it in the right area, can cause a problem. Basic as that, and it worked. Kasper Schmeichel, wonderful goalkeeper that he is, doesn't come charging through defences and claim the ball too regularly. So it's, it's just an area that needs a little bit of protecting, for sure, and something that... Brendan, no doubt, will be looking at without panic setting in just yet. Yeah, you're right, because at Burnley as well, it was a far post um, ball that caused all the problem when Ben Mee got a run on Ozzy Perry. So there are yeah. mismatches in these in these systems, yeah. aren't there, that when you don't go man-to-man? No, they, they, they try and combat it, but you're with semi-blockers, to an extent, that's what they are. But they, you know, to affect the runs of, of opposition players, Hamza Chowdhury at the weekend, they're saying he switched off. He, he had enough time to get himself in the right position. He just got caught a little bit square and flat-footed and he was facing the ball, not the player really. And uh, Rudiger got the leap on him. Rudiger's decent in the air, by the way, as well. Athletic, strong, good runner, aggressive. You know, he's a handful, but so a lot of Premier League players. It's it's an area, certainly, um, for Brendan Rodgers to keep an eye on. Well, a big factor in why that record has been so impressive up to now has been Charles Soyuncu in there and, and his developing relationship with Johnny Evans at the heart of the defence. You've got to appreciate that, haven't you? And now, last season, he was he didn't feature very often because he couldn't speak a word of English. Yeah. <laughs> James Madison has come out and said pretty much that, hasn't he, this week, that it, it took him a while to get into the, the run of things with, uh, with Leicester City because of his lack of English. But he's been having lessons in Birmingham. He's been learning off Mark Albright yeah. as well, so he's probably going to sound a bit like me I'm when he's a bit sure more I'm not sure Mark's the right man to go to <laughs> with that twang that he's got. But, um. but it is so crucial, isn't it? Those communication skills at the heart of defence and off your coach as well, as you, yeah. uh, as you uh, have experienced in the past, man. Well, yeah, I have. Uh, exactly. I mean, it wouldn't be the sole reason that someone to struggled early on, but um, be a huge factor, you know, as James Madison has pointed out, especially when you add in the mix, the lack of um, English that, that Claude Puel was able to produce, you know, there would have been confusion between manager and player, wouldn't it? And never mind teammates, but um, yeah, he's, he's come through it well, so aren't you, hasn't he? He's done fantastically well, but it, it, it does actually, that subject does remind me of a, a couple of instances, but one in particular in my days of going back to, I was speaking this week to Pontus Kmark, an ex-Swedish international who used to play for Leicester City, most supporters will know that, about Theo Zagarakis and the phenomenon that is Theo. Because in his time at Leicester, he struggled a little bit to break into the first team regularly. 
few years later, ended up playing in the European Championships 2004, winning the trophy and becoming player of the tournament with Greece. Unbelievable stuff. Even more unbelievable, he's a member of the European Parliament these days. <laughs> but in his time at Leicester, he did struggle a bit with the language. He used to hang around with Greek students in and around Leicester Town Centre itself, and they were his, his friends. But uh, that always reminds me one time, we were at half-time and, and Theo was playing reasonably well, but wasn't following the tactical approach that Martin O'Neill had tried to apply. And Martin was like fuming and frustrated, intense, like he, he, he always is, particularly at half-time. And he's... He's looking at Theo, he's going, to, Theo, are you okay? And Theo's like, yes, yes, boss. Are you sure? And he's like, yes, boss. And he says, what I'm looking for you to do is like cut in from the left-hand side and pass it up to Heskey and follow up and make these runs. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's like, yes, boss. He's all, why aren't you doing it? And he's looking around, Martin's looking at him thinking, I'm not sure he understands this. He goes, Theo. Are you a blithering idiot? Yes, boss. He went, I know it. You don't even know what I'm saying. You're just saying, yes, boss, aren't you? He went, yes, boss. <laughs> the lads are like rolling around at half time, cracking up. Martin's pulling his hair out, thinking, what am I doing here? The, and Theo just sitting there with just like, totally perplexed. Did he have a big on grin on his face as well, did he? No, he didn't really know what was going on. It was funny. Martin's like, I've wasted all my time telling you, and you haven't got a clue. He said, oh, just get out there and do what you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what would help with uh, Charla would certainly be um, getting away with the lads and uh, bonding in the winter break. They've had to cancel uh, a little trip to the Middle East, though, unfortunately, because of the possibility of a, a replay in the FA Cup and the fact that the Wolves game uh, has been brought forward to a Friday night. So that's been binned off. So the lads have all been given a oh, week oh, off. Were they going to go collectively? Yeah, they, they were going to go for a bit of warm weather training. Oh, OK. And then uh, and it's a bit of a bonding uh, whilst they're away as well. But uh, the players have all gone off individually now for a break. And then they uh, come back to prepare for the Wolves game. They'll be off now and then we'll give them a clear run through into next weekend so they can have a rest physically, mentally, just recover from all the exertions of the season so far and then uh, we'll be back in again next Sunday and then uh, be ready for a game on Friday night. Just just how vital is it? You know, Tommy, Tommy's saying to us that he, he, needs a, he just needs a break out. Yeah, I think all players, I think they've, a lot of them over the Christmas period and then until now they're running on empty. You know, they're, they're, you know, I look at my own players, the desire that they've shown today, haven't had a midweek game playing against Chelsea who were fresh. It really bodes well for us, um, just that determination to keep going. So, But now is the chance for them just to not train. They'll, they'll do some training, they'll get a programme and they'll tick over once they're away. But, uh, but just to physically and mentally recover, uh, that's important. If you're, if you're super underdogs, does that mean that you're overachieving where you are now? What do you think? I think you're as good as your players in the table hmm. but, you, but, if you, but if you're putting yourself in that position where Frank's going we're underdogs and you're saying we're super underdogs then you're sort of yeah well no what I'm saying is you know we're nowhere near the levels of budget of the top six teams yeah. and we were, we were classed in a group along with West Ham and Everton and Wolves as possible four teams that could maybe maybe break into the top six and obviously all the trends over the last few years shown that the gap between sixth and seventh was was getting bigger. So for us to have achieved, you know, and with, with the group of young players that we have, I think it's remarkable what the players have done. 
up until this point. However, we're not settling for that. We want to finish off the final 13 games and finish as high as we possibly can. Because with Hamza coming in today, then there wasn't a noticeable dip. So is there is strength and depth? We do have strength and depth, but, but going forward, uh, we need to have more quality. The, the team's finished ninth for the past two seasons. So the, uh, so, so the level that they've played at for the majority of this season, the consistency and, and, and some of the football they've played has been absolutely brilliant. We know we've got a lot of improvements to make and we know it will always be a huge challenge for us against the likes of Chelsea's and Arsenal's and Manchester United's. But what the players have shown up until now has, has been incredible. But the point I said about afterwards, we showed a great mentality, but we, we can't, you know, where we want to get to, you have to win that game. You have to win it. Can we have a word on Ryan Bennett? Or not yes. Since the, the window, what mm. will he bring to the, to the team? Well, Ryan will bring in that cover that we need. Obviously, the two centre-halves, Johnny and, and Kags, have been outstanding all season. Wes comes in as a, sort of being the experienced third choice. Um, we wanted to get Philippe Benkovic games, but in order to do that, we needed to bring in someone with that bit of experience and Premier League experience. So Ryan gives us all that. I knew him as a young player at Peterborough. I tried to sign him at, uh, at Swansea. Um, so I know all about his qualities. And uh, like I said, he's, he's there if we need him. And he's, he's, you know, he was delighted to come to here and uh, be a part of what we're trying to do for the rest of the season. Frank was saying in there about how it's important mentally to kind of just get away from each other almost. Mm. But is it the same, same for you guys as well? Yeah, I think it just breaks the cycle. Well, that's why at times in the season you go away to a different place to train and with a son or whatever. The, the players have physically put so much in over the period. And I look at my players, you know, their experience, and you know, a lot of these players are experienced, and a lot of the, the mental pressure for the first time of consistently challenging at the top of the table. Now they'll they'll uh, they'll get better with more experiences of that, but at this stage of the season it, it's come at the real right time for us mm. and I think for every player and manager and the managers are the same you need to go away recover a little bit you know lots of pressures and, uh, and then come back and be revitalised and, and ready to make the final push and just on Jamie as well there seemed a few moments there where he'd usually sprint off into mm. that space how important will this break be for him physically for recovering from that yeah I thought he looked much better today since he's come back of course he played during the week so just getting a little bit tired towards the end, but uh, but he's just a threat. You know, his, his ball for Harvey as well. He had a chance in the first half that uh, that he normally takes. Um, but he's just a constant threat against the back line, and uh, you now he, he'll be great. So it'll be nice for him, like off for all the players to have the rest, and um, they'll take over. They'll do some physical work whilst they're away, and then uh, we'll get back, happy to see each other, and hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully finish the job. It would have done them good, wouldn't it, to get it? Well, I say it would have done them good. <laughs> There's been a few disasters in the past. I mean, there were some warm weather training camps Oof. involving Leicester City in the past. And, a few uh, spring to mind, to yeah. be honest, yeah. <laughs> some we can't discuss, but um, okay. there's one that you can. No, we, we went on a good few trips um, abroad uh, you know, for different reasons. Sometimes it was in sort of build-up stroke preparation for cup finals. Martin O'Neill used to love taking us away. Harks back to his Nottingham Forest days under Brian Clough. Sometimes we went away a little bit too long and are too close to the final. Um, <laughs> you know, there wasn't too much training going on as well. But, um, you know, aside from the usual social occasions, it, there was one in particular. Mickey Adams used to take us to a place called Valdelobo, which was just outside Villamora. 
in Portugal. Uh, beautiful training complex there. They're all set up, ready to do some work as well. It would have been team bonding as, as well in the evenings. But um, for one particular player, Simon Royce, who some supporters may well remember, was at the club, goalkeeper, signed by Peter Taylor, I think. He was reserve keeper behind Ian Walker. This particular trip didn't go well for him at all. The first training session, literally the first session, we got out, lovely complex. Pete the Shirtliff, um, our ex-coach, he was first-team coach, Alan Cork, assistant, Mickey Adams, manager, joins in in the circle, just a little warm-up, tippy-tapping the ball around. Peter tries to nick the ball. Royce, he just taps him with, with his foot on the shin. And for some reason, he must have caught him wrong place, wrong time. We've heard this huge, horrific crack Straight away, though, from experience in playing, we were like, he's broken, his leg's broken. And it was a clean break. He's on the floor screaming in, you know, huge pain. It was horrible to see. Physios come, take Peter off. He's gone, take to hospital, clean break. You knew before he'd even come back. Uh, Simon couldn't, couldn't train. Yeah, he's, he's devastated and it was a bit of a, you know, sombre mood about the camp. So you can imagine. So that was that. Then uh, next morning... That was in the evening that we were training because of the weather. Next morning, Simon wakes up. He, he, he's, he can't get out of bed. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not feeling well in lots of ways. I don't need to go into details. Absolutely in bits. And he's caught some sort of infection, virus or whatever. So he's in bed for two days solid. So he misses training again. And then the third day, third stroke, fourth day, eventually he trains, gets through it. And everyone's keeping clear of him because he's got a bit of a... A bit of a hoodoo on him. And uh, we had a, a night out, the final night. He goes out on the night, decides to saunter off on his own halfway through the evening to get a taxi home. Lo and behold, he, two fellas jump out on him and he gets mugged and battered. <laughs> they, they take his wallet. He's got a black eye, a cut lip, and he's off to hospital as well now because he's been beaten up. And <laughs> we didn't know, no one knew because he, he was one of the last to leave. So we woke up in the morning going to leave. He's all bruised and battered. Um, you know, he's broken the coach's leg. He's been in bed for two days, being mugged and beaten up. And uh, what a lovely little trip that was. And <laughs> it was Simon Royce and the curse of Val de Lobo. <laughs> Did you always come back refreshed from these trips? I bet, no, I bet he far wasn't. from it. I know. No, the, to be honest, it was a, came back a little bit creaky more often, not because the last night was normally the best night. And yeah. then you travel back, so make of that what you will. When they come back, it's a, such a, a crucial part of the season now. There's so much still to play for, despite the disappointment of the Caribou Cup with the FA Cup. When we know who they're going to be playing now in the uh, fifth round of the FA Cup, it's Birmingham City after yeah. they beat Coventry City in a dramatic game, eventually on penalties. That's, I mean, you can't imagine Leicester having too many problems against Birmingham. <laughs> Well, Effectively, they've been on home, at home soil for two games against Coventry City, the division below, and they haven't been able yeah. to beat them in 90 minutes. Well, yeah, Go, going on recent track records, yeah, you would assume that Leicester will be able to um, engineer a route through to the next round, wouldn't you? And I think that will be the case, but listen, you, you don't take anyone too lightly, do you? you know, Leicester have come unstuck before um, and probably will again at some stage. But... Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. I think a lot of fans wanted Coventry for the proximity uh, of of uh, of the city and you know the rivalry that is there. Although I don't know how intense it is these days. There haven't been too many meetings, but people wanted it for that reason more than any other. Um, yeah, Birmingham. Yeah, not not having the best of times over recent seasons, but. Um, the draw has been favourable. I think it's fair to say Leicester at home against a lesser league opposition, but take them lightly at your peril. 
on that note about local rivals, I mean, obviously, a lot of the Leicester fans wanted Coventry because of that rivalry. Who was the biggest rivals when you were playing? Yeah, it's hard to say. But, uh, <laughs> to an extent, I mean, Leicester almost sort of trying to manufacture or invent rivals <laughs> to, an, you know, to a degree. Uh, uh, even in our time, I don't know. You know, the game that used to get a bigger edge to us than anyone was probably like Aston Villa. Yeah. Really. And I don't know quite why that is. Lots Forest were in and around the Premier League when we were there. Derby as well. You know, there was a bit of a rivalry going on there. Like we, we battled them four 0 We were four 0 up after twenty five minutes or something. And I know the supporters take great glee in that. Coventry as well were a Premier League outfit. So there, there were quite a few localish rivals. But the one that used to get certainly the players up most was was Aston Villa. Well, I don't, I don't. Maybe it was through the connections with managers going there. John Gregory, Brian Little caused a little bit of an edge. But um, there's no direct rival, is there? I suppose in those days, uh, Leicester and Villa, it was like top dogs in the Midlands that was yeah. at stake, really. Yeah, I suppose so. And there was an element of Villa were the bigger club and had the bigger players and considered themselves the bigger team if you like and they probably you know, like to think they were the better team but more often not we prove that not to be the case well brilliant Matt thanks for joining us uh, this week we'll be back uh, next week with another 5000 to 1 podcast for ad free podcasts make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app you can get a 40% discount now by using the code Lester Pod thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time <laughs>